What Marcus Smart said. Good point, bad timing. We're talking about it right now on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Rain and Jay's back with the vengeance at all the real Celtics fans in attendance. This is the truth like 34. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. The crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily, mainly. Podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings. Focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it, got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, that's the best way. Melly. Hey there, thank you for making the Locked On Celtics your first listen every day. Remember, Locked On Celtics is free, available everywhere podcasts are available, including YouTube and LockedOnCeltics.com. If you want to get to every episode, anything you might have missed, really do appreciate it. I'm John Corrales. I cover the Celtics for Boston Sports Journal, and I've written a book called Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars, an appropriate book now that they're ready to announce their 75th anniversary team. So buy my book, see how it matches up against the team. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. I'm going to get into Marcus Smart here. What Marcus Smart said is the big topic of conversation. I've let it sit. I rewatched the fourth quarter. I've, I've gone about through uh, conversations about it on Twitter. I, I feel like I'm in a good place figuring out what Marcus Smart was trying to say and all of that. Later on in the second and third episodes, I'm going to actually get into a mailbag because it's really hilarious. After the game was over last night, the or you know after after the Celtics Bulls game ended. My inbox got flooded, flooded with people sending me questions. It's like immediately people said, ah, and I got to go ask John a question. And so it just came in one after another after another. So I've got answers for you. If you want to submit a question, please go to johncorrales.com slash mailbag. Or if you just go to johncorrales.com, you'll see the link at the top with the mailbag. All right, let's let's revisit Marcus Smart's comments. You've probably heard them or read them already. If you're listening to this podcast, you know everything that he said about I just want to play basketball and I can't really do anything with the ball not in my hands and you know standing in the corner and all of that stuff. So the first thing that I've got to say is the timing of those comments was definitely bad because the fourth quarter collapse after rewatching and I have a full breakdown on Boston Sports Journal after rewatching all of that. That entire fourth quarter was not a function of Tatum and Brown going my turn, your turn, and saying, we're, we're just going to fire up shots and you go stand in the corner, Marcus, and we'll get to you when we need you. That's not what happened after this game. But he also hasn't had the chance to talk recently. He, he missed the game because of an illness. He wasn't part of the postgame in Washington. And because we're not given locker room access due to COVID, he is just kind of seething. It, it's very obvious that this now is not about the, the loss to the Bulls. 
This is something that's been festering. It's been sitting inside him for a while. Remember, how, how long have I been saying to you, the, the, Marcus Smart is, something's wrong. Something's eating at him. This is the, and if you haven't heard me say it before, this is the same type of feeling that I have, like when, when you notice something in a loved one, you know, wife, husband, boyfriend, girlfriend, somebody walking around, and you look at that person, you go, you okay? Everything all right? And you're just, just a little concerned. That's the feeling I've been getting with Marcus all season. And now it's starting to come out. And I think it's all been centered around his role. So this is obviously something that's been festering. And he took that opportunity to talk. And whether it applied to that particular game or not, Marcus was going to say what he needed to say. Now, the timing of this was really bad, not just because it wasn't particularly relevant to the game, but because it came after a just crushing, crushing loss. And it's not like the Celtics gave away a lead and came back and won and he came out and talked and he had something to say. And it was like, oh, okay, well, interesting, interesting take. Uh, maybe maybe Jalen Brown would have come out afterwards and responded to that. So if there's something to say now, Smart's just going to take whatever opportunity he can to say it. Look, there's no, there was has hasn't been a practice in a while. There was a shoot around, but we're not getting one on ones after shoot arounds. We're getting one on ones after practices. Those haven't happened in a bit. They're not going to happen until next week, and. The opportunities to ask these guys specific questions individually come infrequently. Maybe one of them will be available during a shoot-around. Maybe one of them will be available after the game, but it kind of depends on who plays well. And you want to ask certain questions, and then the, the questions of the game come up. You see things in the game. You want to ask questions about, oh, well, this happened in the third quarter, and what, what happened there, and there's limited time. You don't, you don't get to sit there and you don't have 15 minutes to ask a ton of questions. They usually wrap these up after six or seven minutes. It's difficult. It's difficult to get the full context and breadth of what people are trying to say. And then even go to Tatum or Brown. Like to, if we were in the locker room, that, if that exact commentary was said, then Tatum and Brown would have been right there. We could have turned and asked them, hey, what do you say? What do you say about that? What do you think about this? And we could have had some level of conversation. So that's, that's the whole timing issue of what Marcus Smart was saying. So it's something clearly that's been kind of seething. It's been, it's been deep inside him. But I will say, he does have a point. The end of the game offense has been very heavy. Jason Tatum, very heavy Jason Tatum. End of game offenses. These, Cel the, these Celtics games have been tight games in general and Multiple overtime games, multiple close games, games that go down to the wire. And pretty much it's been Jason Tatum just going off and do, you know, hey, you do your thing. And then we'll work Jalen Brown into it when we can. And then what ends up happening is when Jalen Brown, like in this game, he didn't get, he got two shots that he missed. First one, he was, he got a, a layup that was a little, a little forced, contested. And then he took a quick three pointer. And you say, well, that was a quick shot. You shouldn't have taken that, Jalen. But at the same time, he's like, I, I only got two shots and I was scoring 20, I had 28 points in the game. 
I was carrying us. And then in the fourth quarter, where are my touches? And this was especially evident at the end of the Washington overtime game. Where, uh, so they went to double overtime, but that play at the end of the overtime where, uh, Schroeder was waving Jalen off. The play, Eme explained it afterwards. He wanted Al Horford to kind of take a certain route to set the pick, and he wanted to play pick and roll with Schroeder and, and, and Horford, and then kind of go off of that, drive and kick, something like that. Jalen was like, nope, I'm coming around the Horford screen. I'm trying to get the ball. When I asked him about that, he said, yeah, I was trying to get the ball. He made two attempts to try and get the ball, and Schroeder, that's why Schroeder was waving him off. Schroeder was trying to do what the coach was going to say. And then Jalen was trying to do like, hey, like, I'm, it's my turn. It's my turn now. Let me try to make a play. And each side has a point. <laughs> there are, there are solid points to be made all the way around. And just before people overreact, just because I make a solid point, that doesn't mean that's the entire argument is right. There's a good point within that, but there's also a but that can be said. And so just because Jalen has a point, doesn't mean that that was the right thing for him to do. But he does have a point. And so, end of games has become heavy, heavy, heavy Tatum. Jalen trying to get his opportunities when he can. And then after that, now at the end of the Bulls game, it was a lot of those guys passing out of double teams. But at that point, it didn't matter. To Smart. It didn't matter what he was going to say. And to Smart's point, this is a, a stat muse tweet that came out after the game. Fewest assists per game by a player taking 20-plus shots a game this season. Jalen Brown, number one, 2.5. Then you go Anthony Davis, Anthony Edwards, C.J. McCollum, Paul George, and then Jason Tatum at 3.7. So two of the top six are the two Celtics pillars who have been tasked with being better playmakers, and there they are, with the fewest assists, two of the fewest assists players taking 20-plus shots per game. Not entirely indicative of how things are going for them. Some of this has to do with missed shots. The assists might be a little higher if guys had hit shots. Some of the assists in the Washington game would have been higher if guys had hit threes. So there, there is some level of it's not entirely telling the whole story, but Marcus Smart has a point. So, and the final thing is, Brad Stevens was at a charity event. NBC Sports Boston caught up with him there. And he's, you know, talking about, look, Smart and Tatum had breakfast together. They were at the facility before they headed out to Orlando. I'm sure the team had a shoot-around or a film session and treatment and all of that stuff. Then they fly down to Orlando for the Orlando, Miami, Dallas three-game and four-night stretch, which, by the way, ouch, I'm doing this after I watched Miami beat Dallas. Miami just looks really good. So this is going to be tough. But anyway, at least Smart and Tatum are talking. At least these guys are talking, and they're talking through it. Now, the timing of what Marcus Smart said was bad, but... At least he's owning it, right? Things You shouldn't be saying things in frustration like that after that kind of loss because, yeah, everybody wants to win and everybody has their own ideas, but at least they are talking through some of these things. So, but 
I've said it a bunch of times. Guys are going to say and do things throughout the course of a season that are going to piss off teammates. That's just how it's going to go. It always happens. Players piss each other off. It's like a family. My brother, my sister piss me off sometimes. I definitely piss them off sometimes. And that's, that's how it goes. And you, you know, if something happens, you get through it, you know, text through it, talk through it, whatever it is, you get through it and you understand at the end, it's like, all right, it's, it's fine because, you know, we're on the same page now. That, that's how it's going to happen with these guys. And maybe, maybe Tatum can be like, okay, yes, I do do this. I got to get better at that. And Smart can say, okay, yes, I, I have to be better at managing my own emotions. Um, so those are the Smart comments. Basically, to sum it up, I feel like Smart has a point. You shouldn't have said it when he said it or how he said it. That might have been better, better off kept in-house. Maybe it was said in-house, but the timing there was kind of, eh, especially after a quarter where it didn't apply so much. Uh, but he's very frustrated. And also, a, a lot of this focus is on how Jalen and Jason are going to take it. He's also talking to Ime Odoka. He's definitely talking to Ime Odoka about how he's being used. And so Smart and Ime have to work some things out. And I feel like those are two straight shooters. They're going to get through it. And... We'll see where it goes. I mean, we'll see where it goes. I don't know how it's going to go uh, all around, but smart was definitely the focus of some of the questions here, and I'm sure some of the other things that I want to say uh, are going to come through in some of these answers. So why don't I get into some of those questions and answers, the sudden, unplanned, but wow, did you wow, <laughs> overwhelm me with questions, so I'm going to do a, a mailbag over the next two segments. Uh, it's coming up next after I tell you about McDonald's, which has been proudly serving communities since 1965. It's always been more than a place to get tasty and affordable food, although a lot of us have gone there for that. Basically, uh, it's a great meeting place because everybody in town knows where the McDonald's is. Meet me at the McDonald's. You don't have to know. You don't have to ask, you know, <laughs> do you know? Have you heard of McDonald's? Yeah. Uh, so it's, it serves as a very easy meeting place. When I was growing up, there was one right in the corner, uh, right by my middle school. And so an easy place for people to go meet. Lots of people come in, little league teams coming in, people coming home from a game. Uh, if you want to do some work, you grab your, your laptop, go. They have the McCafe coffee. Uh, it's good coffee, actually. And really reliable Wi-Fi. You can just sit there and get out of the house. I like to get out of the house when I do some work because this little area, this little box that you see me in is kind of where I sit all freaking day if I'm not careful. So you can go and head on over to McDonald's and sit there, grab yourself something to eat while you do some work, enjoy a coffee. So head to your local McDonald's, refuel, reconnect. Did somebody say lockdown watch party at McDonald's? Why not? I'm loving it. Have you subscribed to the Locked On Celtics podcast yet? You can wherever podcasts exist, and you can follow us on Spotify. 
Thanks once again for making Locked On Celtics your first listen every day. Why not make your second listen the Locked On NBA podcast, which I will be hosting this Wednesday. After I'm done with this podcast, we're going to hop on with Jake Madison to do the Wednesday Locked On NBA show, covering the games for you and making sure that uh, you're all caught up on everything important in the league. So follow Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. Let's dive into some questions that people just flooded my inbox with, starting with Tyler, who says, is it me or do we just seem to be playing an almost playoff-level short bench with the amount of minutes we have already played due to overtime games? It feels like we could throw some energy out there at times. And on and on. Um, and he says, Ime's lineups uh, just seem to be head-scratchers sometimes. Okay. Yeah, I so I think there are... If the Celtics had won a couple of these overtime games... Maybe. I feel like Ime's really, really, really trying to win some of these games. Like, it's not like, hey, we're going to throw some of these lineups out there. We're going to limit, we're going to limit guys to, uh, 32 minutes, 34 minutes at most. And we're going to hope that the, the guys that we throw in there are going to play well enough to win. Uh, Brad Stevens, I think, sure, certainly would have done that. But Ime is, is, I think, you know, we talk about players pressing. I think Ime is really pressing for a win. Like this is, and I'll fold Greg's question in here. Uh, I'm tired of Ime's stubbornness. Played the same group in the last six minutes. Celtics are clearly tired. Further tired off of Josh Richard of Josh Richardson being the option on three and missing. Uh, no Pritchard. Uh, blah blah blah. <laughs> Sorry, there are a couple of uh, added things in here, but basically frustration over uh, the, the minutes here. Ime has, like, in, the, in the two overtimes in New York, went with the same group. In two overtimes in Washington, basically went with the same group. Down the stretch, going with the same group. Uh, he's trying to find a winning formula. I do think that there, there are times where you can try to go for energy. In rewatching that fourth quarter, against the Bulls, I really would have tried Aaron Neesmith at some point. I don't know why Aaron Neesmith, another popular question. Many, many people have messaged me. Can you please ask why Aaron Neesmith isn't playing? And I did ask him like a week ago, and he's talking about, yeah, Aaron's playing too fast and so on and so forth. And uh, I, I feel like, you know, I feel like last night, the Celtics could have used the guy who's playing fast. One thing that Ime hasn't done yet is the find the energy guy off the bench. He did do that with Jabari Parker a little bit, the break glass in case of emergency when Parker had the big game, the big first quarter against Charlotte, I think it was. And okay, that, that, that was fine, but Brad would always, you know, find some spot. Remember, it was Miami a few seasons ago where he put, uh, Robert Williams in, and it changed the game. Aaron Neesmith has come in and changed the, the game. Think in the fourth quarter as as the Celtics were winding down there and losing their lead, an energy guy for a couple of minutes might not have been such a bad thing. You know, they, they called a timeout down seven, and they trotted out uh, Schroeder and Smart and Josh Richardson, and I think he was going for a defensive lineup to try to stop the Bulls, and it didn't work. 
might, might have tried an offensive lineup to get some spacing and force the Bulls to work on defense a little harder and maybe open up some lanes for Tatum and Brown so they, they wouldn't get quite so blitzed. This is, where are we now? Seven games? We have to be patient. We have to be patient with a first-time head coach who is, is just starting to figure this out. I, and look, I understand social media is not the indicator of how people are feeling, but I, I, I see it on Twitter. I see it in comments on Boston Sports Journal. People who are already like, oh my God, what a terrible hire Ime Udoka was. And oh, I can't wait till they fire him. Like, are you, I, I just, I cannot believe when you look at other teams that are just firing coaches and firing you know, executives over and over and over again, that, that's an easy way to, to really fall into a deep, deep, deep hole. And, and look, they just hired the guy. I, I don't know what kind of contract he got, but I'm sure he's got at least three years guaranteed on his, on his coaching contract. So he's not going anywhere. Like, let's, let's, I'm not telling you how to react. I'm just saying that you know he's not going anywhere. He's not getting fired. He's not getting fired tomorrow. They're, they've made this commitment to him. They're going to let him figure this out. Let's, can the fire email stuff, like, let's just dial it back just a little bit. Okay, you can be frustrated with him, but geez, people go overboard. But yes, his, his, look, the first time head coaches almost always say their biggest adjustment is figuring out the minutes. Figuring out minutes is tough, and everybody wants minutes for the guy that's not playing. You know, people have brought up Cantor. Cantor is unplayable. Unless he's like guarding Joel Embiid and he's not going to be in pick and roll and he's got to go up there and, and, and bang against somebody who's strong. Like that is fine. Situational Cantor is fine. Cantor in a situation where he's got to go out there against an athletic team and try to handle pick and rolls and all that stuff. No, no, unplayable, unplayable. Uh, there are questions, but he, you, you do have to figure this out. Aaron asks, why does Adoka keep having Tatum run sets when Jalen is, ha- is hot late in the game? Been listening for a couple years now. Thank you very much, Aaron. Uh, look, I, I, I think, and I don't know exactly if this is Udoka saying, okay, we're running all of these sets for Jason Tatum. But he did explain to me when I asked him about one of the final plays, I think it was against Charlotte, where he said, I, I don't want to bring the two best defenders together, which I understand. You know, you got a, the best defender on Tatum, the second best defender on Brown, or vice versa. And you say, okay, I don't want to bring those guys together. But, but, but you, you, you kind of have to start to include Jalen Brown, like I was saying earlier. You have to start including Jalen Brown in a lot more of these sets. You, you cannot, this absolutely cannot continue to be Jason Tatum, ISO, or Jason Tatum, super heavy, 80% of the offense in the fourth quarter. And especially not if Jalen is the guy that's been hot. That's especially true. That cannot be the case. Okay? We're not doing... The one, two thing. We've got to be able to maximize the, the abilities of both 
and use the power of two guys that you have to cover to figure out which guy the defense is going to cover and let the defense make some mistakes. And as I said yesterday, and I'm going to keep saying, some of the stuff that they need to do is, is adjust how they're getting Tatum and Brown the ball, have them work together off ball to see how they can attack a defense. Maybe if you run the defense, you know, if you have the ball on the left side of the floor, on the right side of the floor, Tatum and Brown are working off of each other and, and, you know, split action stuff like the Warriors do a lot of. I mean, force the other team's defense to make a decision, please. So these guys can both be maximized. Like that's, that's, I think, part of the learning curve that we need to make sure that these two guys are, are putting the, the appropriate amount of pressure on the defenses. Uh, and Michael says, how many excuses does this team have left? They look, they look like the same team as last year, but worse. All right. We, we do have to just kind of relax a little bit. Okay. It's still, it is still November 3rd by the time you listen to this show. It's still early. And yes, they look horrible. The losses have been gut punches. The, this has not been the start that anybody wanted. However, however, we can't be on the outside already turned up to 10. The volume can't already be up to 10 because it's obvious that they have a lot of work to do. And it's also true that they have a lot of time to do that work. Acknowledging that you can't go too crazy with the letting them, you know, slide and, and, and all of that stuff because, you know, two and five turns, if that turns into two and nine, you're, you're starting to really fall behind too far and you're going to have to put together a real, real, real win streak to make sure that you're not fighting that sixth, seventh, eighth seed later on in the year. Some teams will come back down to earth. The Celtics will certainly win a few games in a row. But they don't want to fall behind too far. And it's up to Ime and the staff to kind of figure out, and it's up to the guys to say, okay, fine, we, we're, we're bought in. What we're doing is not working. Let's figure out something that works. But cannot, cannot be panicking as fans right now. I know that the Patriots have not looked great uh, I know that the Red Sox got eliminated and, and all of that stuff. And, you know, the, the Celtics and the Bruins are all that, that's left for the most part. Got to give them a little bit, a little bit of time. All right, trades. People are asking about trades, and that's coming up next. I'm sorry, you might not like the answers, but that's coming up next. First, I got to tell you about Bilt Bar. Hey, who doesn't love Thanksgiving? I love Thanksgiving. Oh, it's a great, great excuse to eat everything. All of the good foods and treats, and there are plenty of them, but maybe you want a good dessert that's not full of calories and sugar. How about a Bilt Bar for dessert at the holidays? You can feast on something delicious and feel good about it. Now, one slice of pie has up to 300 calories, and that's on the low end. Most Bilt Bar, Bilt Bars only are about 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein. And they're delicious. So replace the coconut cream pie with a coconut Bilt Bar or a raspberry Bilt Bar instead of raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors, low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein, and covered in 100% chocolate. It's a great option for when you're hungry. 
Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, grab yourself a built bar or two, share them. There are new surprises all month. Limited time flavors arriving at built.com regularly, so check the site often. Seriously, check the site often because they surprise you. And there's nothing like a built bar Black Friday market calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. So go to built.com, use the promo code LOCK15. You're going to get 15% off your order. And that's every time you use it. So when I say go back often, you can use it often. LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. BetOnline is back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head on over to the updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today. Get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON. Use LOCKEDON to get your bonus. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Basketball, football, NHL. Uh, I want to say baseball postseason, but I'm recording this as the Atlanta Braves are up 7-0 in the 7th. So maybe not many more baseball betting options, but they've got your favorite Vegas casino games. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Please gamble responsibly. Be sure to follow our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Locked On Celtics on Instagram. Hey, once again, thank you for making Locked On Celtics your first listen every day. Why not make your second listen? Locked On Fantasy Basketball. You need help winning your league. Josh Lloyd has got you covered. He is the GOAT when it comes to covering fantasy basketball. So check him out five days a week, wherever you get your podcasts. And on YouTube, back to the questions. Delon asks, how many losses do you think it will take the Celtics to make a trade this early in the season? They are not making a trade this early in the season. I'm sorry. There's no trade happening. Not in November. Maybe in December. And people are suggesting Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart cannot be traded until, I believe, January because he signed that extension. And that adds, I believe, a six-month waiting period before you can trade him. So Marcus Smart cannot be traded until basically the trade deadline. So he can't go anywhere. Same with Josh Richardson. Sorry. Uh, There are not a lot of trades that can be made. And most people, most teams aren't going to start making trades until December anyway. So you're going to have to wait at least another month and a half before we start seeing any real trade rumors because that's when everybody who was signed in the offseason can start getting traded. And that's when teams who thought they were going to be good and are not, maybe like the Boston Celtics, can start making deals. And teams that thought they were going to be bad or not quite as good might say, oh, we want to add something or whatever. So it's not going to happen right now. And further, Marcus, if people are interested in trading Marcus Smart, (laughs) not going to happen until the trade deadline. Oh, and by the way, because he signed that contract, uh, it's a a weird quirk, a rule in the collective bargaining agreement where the salary matching is a little different. It's a little weird. The Celtics would use his current salary. The team that would be trading for him would have to use the average salary of all years remaining. That's going to make things a little bit more complicated, not quite as bad as if that happens with like a rookie, but still a wrinkle that makes it 
less likely. Frankly, Celtics, I don't think, give him that extension to just trade him now. Um, but we'll see how his situation continues to unfold. Dan asks, the Celtics sitting here at 2-5 and five after some close games and a couple, of lack that, a couple that lacked effort or focus. Help us out here as fans. Do we just need patience or does this team need a shakeup? Either to the rotation or to the personnel overall. Kind of related to what I said earlier. Kind of related to the trade question. It's a little... It's a little of patience, for sure. Uh, a shakeup in the rotation, maybe. Um, and a shakeup in how this team is, is using everybody. Keep in mind that Ime Odoka comes into town, brand new, brand new staff. Everybody's learning each other. He's got his own set of plays, his own ideas, his own philosophies, and it's not fully possible that the team is going to be fully executing them at this point. So patience for sure. This is not 2K where you can plug in all of the types of plays that you want the guys to run and they just run them. They have to learn them. And as Ime said, there are habits that need to be broken. Bad habits that need to be broken. And so, yes, patience. And you know what? Personnel, for sure. I'm sure that Brad Stevens is going to be looking at who fits? Who doesn't? How can we how can we fix this? And who fits long term? Who is short term? It could be anybody. I mean, probably not Jalen or Jason, but it, it could be anybody. And we'll see moving forward. Um, it it may be look. People are talking about <laughs> Dennis Schroeder, and people want Dennis Schroeder to start. Signing Schroeder clearly has made an impact on, on Marcus Smart, and it, depending on how the Celtics want to handle this, if, if you're pretty sure, and I'm pretty sure that Dennis Schroeder is not coming back next year. Like, I don't think he's going to settle for $5.6 million. I think there's going to be a bigger market for him out there, and he's going to go take that, that better money. Like, the Celtics just don't have money to spend on Schroeder. I don't think they're going to give it to him. So what are you going to do? Are you going to keep, keep him around and keep Marcus Smart pissed off and – or, or are you going to try to calm things down and get something for the guy that's going to be gone anyway? I still, I still think that Schroeder being traded is a possibility, which is going to drive some of you crazy. And it's not that I'm sitting there saying like, "Oh, you got to trade Schroeder." No, it's it's. But it's just I'm looking at what what tries. I'm trying to make sense. If Schroeder's gone at the end of the year, then why why start him? Why why would anybody want to start him and move Smart to the bench? And, and piss off Marcus Smart. So now you're going to trade Marcus Smart because he's pissed off and he's done with this situation. And you're, you're not going to have Dennis Schroeder next year anyway, even if he does work better. Even if we can say he works better as a starter right now, you're going to, you're going to make that switch. And then if you lose Smart, if he just loses his head and says, you know what? I'm asking for a trade. I'm out of here. Trade me at the deadline. Trade me this summer. I'm gone. And, and the Celtics do accommodate that. And then Schroeder's like, oh, great, I got a $10 million offer somewhere else. I'm gone. Now you got no point guard, right? Are you going to start Peyton Pritchard, who doesn't exactly work with all of the switching that Adoka wants to do? So what do you do? Start Marcus Smart. You keep Schroeder on the bench. If somebody wants to trade for Schroeder at the deadline, you do it if you can get assets for him, and you just move on. You just, that's, that's just how it goes. And you don't, you know, 
you, you don't think twice about that to me. Gabriel, I know it's just the start of the season, but I think it's time to look forward. This team right now is not capable of winning a championship, not even by getting their act together. Will they win? I'm disappointed. Um, I think they need to push for a trade and break the duo of the Jays. Offense is too predictable, too much iso ball in the fourth quarter, and so on. Um, and he says, as much as I love Smart, he also has to go. Well, I will, I will say that if you're trading one of the Jays and Smart, then you're really, uh, I mean, I don't know what you're getting back. Um, if you're trading Jalen and Smart, hopefully you're getting back a superstar. And unless you're getting back Carl Anthony Towns, even that, I, I mean, I guess maybe, but you're going to have to be getting like a super superstar. Because Jalen Brown, like, I'm not, I'm not trading Jalen Brown. I, I wasn't trading, trading Jalen Brown two years ago. I'm not going to trade him now when he's, you know, going to have potentially an all-NBA season. I don't think that the, the problem is playing Tatum and Brown together. I don't think that that's something that doesn't work. I think that they haven't figured out how to make it work completely yet. But this season is, like, they are very, very clearly better with those two guys on the floor. It's very, very obvious the numbers support it. They're incredibly better with these guys on the floor. Please don't panic. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. It feels that bad. It might be that bad in a little while, but we can't be like, oh, well, that's it. Two and five. Now look at them. Jalen's out. Smart's out. Yeah, whatever. Rob's out. Well, these guys are all out. It's not, it's not how it works. It's not how it works. Please, no more panicking. Uh, Brett, I haven't heard Eme take any responsibility yet for the Celtic struggles. Most coaches will say we need to do everything better, including the coaching. Seems like he's feeling his way with a defensive scheme that's not working. Some useful bench players now buried and plays out of timeouts that are not working. How much blame is Eme due for the early season struggles? This is funny because... Last year, the criticism was on Brad for not calling out his team more, you know? And now, here's a coach that's calling out his team, and people are like, whoa, where's the coach that, you know, shouldn't the coach be taking a lot of the blame here? It's funny. One side pipes up when something's not going right, and then when that something changes, the other side goes, whoa, hey, wait a minute. Nope. The side that liked how Brad was going doesn't like how Ime is handling himself, vice versa. Um, he's, he's definitely due some of the blame. Everybody's due some of the blame. This is definitely an all-out, everybody's doing stuff wrong. Ime is new here, and he's trying to figure it out. The system is new. The players are growing into new roles. Tatum and Brown included... It's not working yet. It's just not working yet. I don't know if this is pulling the cake out of the oven 15 minutes after baking, you know, putting it in and being like, why isn't this a cake yet? You know, at some point you do have to let it bake for a little bit. You don't know if the ingredient, if you just keep opening the oven going, is it ready yet? No. Is it ready yet? No. That's not how you, you do it. And in the end, maybe the cake will still suck. Maybe it will, but 
you still have to give it time to see. This is the difference between me and other people. I, I just look at this differently. In the short, short, short term, yeah, there's so much that's going wrong. A ton that's going wrong. But this isn't about reacting to the short term. And Brad Stevens said it in, in one of the comments to NBC Sports Boston. His job is not to overreact to 14 minutes of bad basketball, right? He's got to take the whole big picture into view. And that's what I'm trying to do. I really, when I look at the, these games, and there are other people that react to things in different ways. I'm looking, I'm really, really, really trying to look at this from the big, big picture, okay? Because if there's one thing that I've learned in the NBA, that fans treat every game as its own book with chapters and a beginning, a middle, and an end, and boom. Teams treat the entire season like a book, and each game is a chapter in that book. So that explains the difference between how you see it and how they see it. And I'm trying to look at it how they see it. So I can properly process what, what's happening and, and hopefully react in a way that the team would react, a team would react and, and give you that level of insight. So yes, we on the outside, the collective we, overreact to games and we get emotionally caught up in the ups and downs and, you know, if, if they had pulled that game out, we would have said, whew, tough finish to that game, but boy, they learned how to finish and wow, then you focus on the first three quarters and the vibes around here would be so much more positive. Think about if Robert Williams doesn't get hurt and they needed to call a timeout and Two plays later, or three plays later, whatever it was later on, Jason Tatum, diving for a loose ball, commits a foul that becomes two free throws because the Celtics are in the penalty. And if they wouldn't have been if, if Rob doesn't get hurt. And so that made, two free throws made it a, a four-point game. If the Celtics were able to get a stop there and tie the game, who knows what happens next, right? A little bit of bad luck mixed in with a complete meltdown is just part of how we see things. And a couple of little details changing will change the entire way you see and react to a game. But it shouldn't, at least for the Celtics. Like, this is why the whole term process over results is so important. Because if you react to every, every shot going in or not going in, you're missing, was the right play run? Did they set the picks the right way? Did the guys cut? Did the guys move the ball? Did, you know, what happened there? You can run crappy offense and hit a shot and be like, oh, God, that was terrible, but I'll take the two points. And you can run amazing offense and miss a shot and come back and be like, you know what? Do that again every single time. And I'm good with that. The shots will fall. So I want to be the person that, and I try to impart that, try to look at the big picture. So this brings me to the final question slash comment. Andrew, what brings you down more? The Celtics falling apart and losing these games or all the negativity and the replies to your tweets? 
And it is, no question, a million percent, the negativity in the replies to my tweets. To the point where I feel like I'm just going to, every time I tweet something, mute the notifications. I don't want to hear it. I don't, I, I, I generally want to reply to people on Twitter, but when things are going this bad, it's just, uh, oh, God, people are in their feelings on Twitter, and it's not always pretty. So I think the overall lesson or the, the overall approach that I want to take here is, yeah, I get it. This is bad. This is bad. But there were good things that happened through three quarters in that game, or two and two quarters and 90% of the third quarter. And I don't want to lose that stuff because the fourth quarter was just, uh, you know, a toilet flushing. It's not easy to do that. You know, <laughs> it's really not easy to do that. But I, I think that, look, the Celtics, if they come out against Orlando and suck, then we're going to have a real problem. That's going to be a real, real problem. Hopefully the Celtics do not take the Orlando Magic um, lightly. Because if they do, then that, that does that does show a much deeper issue. It does show a much, much deeper issue. And I, I really, for their sake, I hope that they've at least put enough faith in the, the, what the coach is trying to sell and are, are willing to work. Because I came into the season thinking these guys are going to bust their ass for Ime Odoka. And if they go out there and, and take Orlando lightly, then I have to reevaluate that. And I have to reevaluate re a lot of stuff. And I don't, I don't want to take that as an overreaction to one game either, but that we're now in a real pattern. But hopefully the Celtics come out and play well and win because they need a win. Like I said, that Miami game is going to be really, really tough. And then they go to Dallas a couple days later, three games and four nights. I will be here after the Orlando and the Miami games. And then Dallas I'll talk about on the Monday show. So subscribe, stay subscribed to the show. Please subscribe if you're new. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard. Really appreciate you listening. It's a Monday through Friday podcast. Please make it your first listen every single day. Subscribe, subscribe on YouTube. Hope you guys are enjoying the YouTube programming as well. Uh, and the best way to pump up these subscription numbers is those of you who do watch and listen, please share the podcast, spread the word, tell everybody that they should be listening to and watching the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network.